will judge is an opinion. God's judgment carries with it consequences. And, and there are no exceptions to the rule. Every man, every woman is appointed to die once and after that the judgment. Uh, bar maybe Enoch and Elijah are the only two I know of who have avoided death. And hopefully the rapture comes and we don't have to, don't have to go through death. Anybody with me? All those in favor say aye against Kerry. Good. It's done. Now unbelievers who reject Christ face the judgment of the great white throne. This is where your salvation is on the line. And God with a broken heart, Matthew 25, 41, will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and you die, you are going to hell. I didn't say it. He said it. And hell is not just people say, oh, hell, yeah, hell will be fine. You know, I'll get down there, bring a pack of cards with my mates. We'll have a few drinks. We'll play cards. No, you won't. You want to know what hell is like? Have a look at the cross. Hell is pain. Hell is suffering. Hell is loneliness. Hell is replaying over and over all the opportunities you had to receive Christ and you didn't. You don't hear many people preach on hell these days. But we need to know the truth, don't we? That's what the Bible says. But we who are Christians... We don't go to the great white throne judgment. It's not about our salvation. We go to a place called the judgment seat of Christ. And that is where what we've said and done will be weighed and balanced. And there will, this is for eternal rewards. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What's that about? It tells you in the next part of the verse, So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So some of us like this sort of cheap grace thing. We think, well, God's given us grace, therefore I can sin. I can sin that grace may abound more. That is wrong. Because you will be called to account, even as a believer. So I recommend confessing your sins now so you haven't got to do it later on at the, the judgment seat of Christ. Anybody with me? Is that a good idea? Let's get it out of the way now keep short accounts with God but this makes me realize that we get one life and we must maximize its effectiveness for the Lord now at my age the ripe old age I'm so pleased to hear your birthday here you're a little older than me and uh and and a reminder of my own mortality I watched an 81 year old jump around on stage during the week and I thought, man, if I look like Paul McCartney at 81, I'll be happy. I mean, he's full of beans, you know. Um, but we are all going to die. And at my age, it weighs heavily on me because I want to know that I've lived totally for Jesus Christ my entire life. As I enter what I'm guessing is the last third of my life, I want to make sure I get it right. Because I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as will you, as will all of us to give an account for what we have done. Let me ask you, you may know who you are, you may know what you've done, but let me ask you, have you discovered why? Have you discovered your reason for being? Because I believe we can discover that in Jesus Christ, don't you? The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. Everybody, Christian or not, has an awareness that there is more to life than 70 or 80 years on earth. Uh, one comedian I uh, heard, he said, I'm going to live forever, so far so good. And I like that he wasn't a Christian, 
but he was just, uh, you know, making sense. Um, can I have the next slide up here for a minute? Because I want to show you this. Who remembers this? The year 2000, where at the turn of the millennium, Australia announced to the world eternity. And people are still talking about that. This, of course, was based on Arthur Stace, who wrote Eternity on the Sidewalks of Sydney. My dad saw it as a young man. He said, Eternity, what some nutcase has written Eternity on there? But him and his mates talked about Eternity for hours afterwards. What do you believe about Eternity? And that was the purpose of this amazing guy who just wrote him and a piece of chalk. And that's what he did. He proclaimed Eternity. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now, we all know that there's eternity out there. But some sail blissfully towards oblivion, towards eternal damnation, separation from God in hell, stubbornly refusing to weigh the weight of evidence of scripture and also that their conscience provides that there is an alt- uh, an eternity out there so let me ask you this where are you in all of this do you look back at your life and see a life well lived for christ or do you see a litany of missed opportunities poor decisions and regrets do you go forward to your death with confidence or with regrets because you've wasted the only life you'll ever have, this one life that God has given you. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I want to approach the throne of grace, the judgment seat of Christ. I want to approach it with confidence, knowing that I've served him well. Not sneak around going, boy, I hope he doesn't bring that up, you know? These are the things I think about, particularly as... uh, I was thinking about Rill's book and about what Rill and Peter went through with Kari. She was 25 years old when she died, but she lived, you know, two and a half lifetimes in that 25 years. Because it's not the years in your life, it's the life in your years. So let me ask you again, the day you die, is it going to be your best day or your worst day? That's worth thinking about. It's very quiet in here this morning. It's almost like someone's preaching on something we're a bit awkward about. And we are awkward about. That could be the Lord. Answer that. We usually refuse to talk or even think about death unless it is inevitable. Um, But it is going to happen for every single one of us. One person observed the seven ages of life. I thought this was fun. The seven ages of life from birth through to death. This is how he put it seven ages the spills the drills the thrills the bills the eels the pills and the wills kind of sums it up really doesn't it we naturally have a fear of death but as christians this should not be the case spike milligan said i don't mind dying i just don't want to be there when it happens but we as christians see for the rest of the world they're fearful about the thought of death But for us, it is a day of celebration, a day we can approach with confidence, trust, and joy. If you truly love Jesus, death is not your worst day. It's your best day. The sting of death is sin, and our sin is forgiven at the cross, so we have nothing to fear in dying. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
The sting of sin is death, but the, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the day of your death as a believer, it's your graduation ceremony. It's your homecoming. I really like the way the Sallies put it. Do you know how they say, say when someone dies? Promoted to glory. Come on. That's how it should be, isn't it? Promoted to glory. That's what it should be like for a believer. However, uh, even though it's actually a wonderful day for us, inevitably there are some regrets. We will miss the ones that we love. And the ones who are left behind have a tremendous hole in their heart. Not because they don't believe that their loved one has gone to heaven, but because they just miss them. And that's okay. That is normal. That is grief. And it is, you know, we all grieve in our own way. And grief is normal. But when we look back at our lives, I think, even as I'm dying, I will look back to some degree with regret, thinking, have I, have I fully maxed out my life for the Lord? Have I done? Have I served Him? Have I said enough? You know, it's, it's a time of reflection in a sense. I think the saddest thing in a cemetery, if you go to a cemetery, I didn't, I didn't say, um, what is it? Cemetery, yes. When you go to a cemetery... And you look around, the saddest thing is not the dead people there. You know what the saddest thing is? The dead dreams that are there. The lost opportunities, the things that could have been, that are buried there, along with the bodies. It all comes down to the choices we make. Your life is the product of the decisions you make. I really am fascinated with Proverbs 19, verse 3. Let me read it to you. This sums up our entire society. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Isn't that true? People say, oh, why could God, why did God do this to me? But if you analyze it, you did it to you. The decisions you made affected, you know, had a, had a consequence or an outcome. But we, we make dumb decisions we make, make poor choices, and then when it all goes pear-shaped, as inevitably it will, we blame God. We say, that's not fair, God. But it is, because we did it. You know, when your child slips over and falls and cries, you want to comfort them, but you didn't do it to them. They did it. And when something happens in our life, the decisions we make, when they don't go as we planned, we get mad at God. Wait a minute, God, I told you what I wanted. But where, show me in the Bible, it says God's got to do what we want. It doesn't. It says, not my will, but yours be done. We spoke about it last week. A life well lived, trusting God, knowing that anything that happens, <coughs> anything that happens is in his hands. If we decide something against his will, we will bear the consequences. Because let me say it again, your decisions determine your destiny. Do not get to 60, 70, 80 years old having a miserable life and saying it's God's fault because it's your fault because of the decisions you made. Is that fair? I think we have to man up and, 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 and take responsibility for the decisions that we have made. We live in a society that tries to absolve everybody of every responsibility. But that's not true. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. 
each one of us face a choice every day, every situation. Look back over the last week, the last month. What kind of choices have you made? Every decision we make has consequences. Every choice brings either life or death, blessings or cursings. And in case you can't figure it out, that verse goes on to say, therefore choose life. Say, oh, life, death, hmm. I don't know which way to go. Choose life that both you and your descendants might live. The decisions you make will affect your children and their children and their children and their children. You have not only your own destiny in your hands, but the destiny of those who will come after you. It's a, it's a heavy decision. We need to choose wisely. So each of us face a choice every day in every situation. Look back over the last month and decide what, how your choices were. What about over the last decade? Have you made great choices? Some of us have. Some of us have made poor choices. But let's face it. If we choose life, we choose blessing. And that's what God is saying. The passage that we read earlier in Jeremiah about the trees, um, it, it's... That passage is not directed at mankind in general. It's directed at God's people, the nation of Judah. I believe it applies to us as Christians as well. The decisions we make will determine our destiny, whether we're a salt bush or whether we're a tree planted by the stream. So let's have a look at those. The first one in Jeremiah 17:5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. This is the cursed man. So many people are in this group. Yes, even believers are in this group because we keep choosing man's way instead of God's way. They trust in man, in flesh, in the fleshly world. These are people who might say they are Christians, but their life doesn't really reflect Christ. And I'm hoping you're not one of those. This church doesn't have many of those, I don't think. But you would know people who say, yeah, I'm a believer, but they, they, they just keep choosing worldly stuff all the time. And you, your, your, your destiny will be determined by the decisions that you make. So the prophet goes on to describe what their life is like. It's like one of these things. It's a salt bush. It's a shrub in the desert. It's parched. It's shriveled. It's alive, yes, but barely. I've seen Middle Eastern deserts. A couple of weeks ago, we were in um, uh, Qatar, um, entertaining you know, each other in Qatar, trying to duck and weave from Hamas officials that were somewhere in there. Um, but we're in Qatar, and you like it is it is desert, desert. I mean, it's a sandpit. There is very little grows out there, and what does struggles to survive. So this verse describes an arid, parched, uninhabitable salt land. Any life that does exist there does not prosper; it barely exists and struggles to eke out a living. But on the flip side, you have blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots in the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease bearing fruit. Now, we're having a bit of a drought here at the moment, and uh, the, the, the grass is, is brown, isn't it? Or haven't you noticed it? Okay, who's been outside? Right, good. The grass is brown. But you still see trees that are bearing fruit because see their roots go so much deeper than the grass does when you dedicate your life totally to jesus christ your decisions bring life joy and blessing instead of being a desert your life becomes a tree planted in the stream or by the stream 
So if heat comes, if stress happens, if people attack, if bills come your way, if poor health comes your way, you don't wilt away under the heat. Your leaves continue to be green. You continue to grow. Life continues to flow through your veins. And here's the kicker. You keep bearing fruit. There are people I know who are, are, are very ill. They struggle in their physical body. But when they speak, it, is, it has incredible weight because they are still bearing fruit. Shout out to Doug who's probably watching this morning. But he's, he's not well in health. But I tell you, that man bears fruit. He bears fruit, I'll tell you. He keeps bearing fruit. You go and sit in his presence, you'll see godly fruit. There are people right across this church who are blessed, who are green, evergreen, regardless of the season, regardless of the heat or the soil. Their roots go deep into the river of the Holy Spirit. And when adversity comes, they don't wilt because they continue to thrive because the roots are down deep into the things of God. They are planted by the stream of God. So what is your spiritual life like now? What is your life, your one and only life? This is the only one you get. What's it been like so far? Have you wasted it? Have you thrown it away doing a bunch of stuff? Or have you made the most of it? I look at my life and, and, and I see that there's lots of things that I've done that I think are significant in the kingdom, that are significant in eternity. But I also have regrets because I've also missed the mark many a time. I am not perfect, but my heart is for the Lord. If you have regrets, then I believe this morning is going to be your moment. It's not how you start, it's how you finish that counts. If you're still breathing, everybody here breathing? Good. If you're still breathing, there is a great opportunity to turn things around and make however long you have on this earth, be it a week, a month, a year, a decade or a century, to make that life count in eternity for Christ. We can all do this. None of us is exempt from it. Because the Bible says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I want to just briefly have a look at the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.10 it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for that which he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Yes, even believers face judgment, as I said. Not for salvation, because we're saved not by works but by faith. But the judgment is for rewards, whether good or bad. So let's have a look at what it involves. In 1 Corinthians 3, if you can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3 and follow along, because really, we really want to know about this. Because I'd like to know that when I die, what's going to happen? Don't you want to know that? This is what it says about the judgment seat of Christ. <coughs> Verse 11, 1 Corinthians 3. No one can lay any foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So let's get this straight. Right at the beginning, you are saved. That's the foundation, Christ Jesus. We're talking about people who are saved here. The foundation that is laid is Jesus Christ. We are not talking about whether you are saved or not. This is not a judgment uh, 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 that is going to send you to hell. This is going to be rewards. Um, I, I was having a conversation about two days ago with Fiona and she said it's really great where we live uh, which is out in paddocks and all that sort of stuff because she said the Jehovah's Witnesses never come here well a day later guess who knocked on the door and they said they said we're, we're here to hand these out and be the, I said let me stop you right there <laughs> I said probably won't get very far I'm a Pentecostal pastor <laughs> 
Oh, they said, it's wonderful to see someone who has hope in the world. I said, yes, I do. But they don't because their doctrine says that they've got to keep working to get their salvation. So we have assurance of salvation. If you ask Jesus into your life this morning for the first time, you will be saved. You, you can be guaranteed of going to heaven. This is not a salvation issue. But those poor guys, they've got to keep working at it. It's a brilliant way to recruit for your church. If I can make it so that the things that you do, that I want you to do, is how you earn your salvation, it's brilliant. I've got heaps of free labor. But it's not true. It's not right. Because we are saved by faith, not by our works. Agreed? Okay, let's look at what it says now. So that's the foundation that's laid. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each, one will, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test the quality of each man's work. So everything you do, everything you say, will be tested at, before Jesus himself and tested by fire. So the obvious question is, what are you building? You can build wealth, a business, a career, a house, a car, but none of this has eternal value. None of it. It's not bad. You know, it's not bad to have a house or a car or, or wealth or anything. That's all fine. But it's not, it doesn't have eternal value. If that's all you've got, they'll set fire to it. Boom, nothing. Pile of ash. They look substantial on the surface, but in reality, they're wood, hay, and straw. But if you build in things that have value in eternity, if you invest in sharing the gospel with people, caring for people, going out of your way to shine Jesus to everyone you meet, that, my friend, is gold, silver, costly stones. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 14 says this, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive his reward. If, any, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. So your works as a Christian will be judged, but even if it's all burned up, you are still saved, but only as one through the fire, which means by the skin of your teeth. You'll just squeak in. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to squeak into heaven. Do you? I'd like to go, I'd like to go in there, guns are blazing. I'd like to go in there making an impact. And the way we do that is we build something of substance into our lives. I want the Lord to say, well done to me, and I'm sure you do for you. So you have one life. Remember, just one life. You cannot replay it. You cannot fake it. You cannot regenerate it and try again. When you die, you don't get reincarnated. You don't get another chance. And let me add, you don't get angel wings. I don't know where this came from. People say, oh, this person's died. They've got their angel wings now. No, they haven't. Nothing in the Bible says, says that those who pass transform into angels. Okay, so check that one out. That's, that's, a, that's a sort of a notion. It's not correct. So let me ask you again, is yours a life well lived or have you squandered your one life, the only life you will ever have? Now, please understand, I'm not here to judge you. Jesus will do that. But what I want to do is give you the opportunity to have a look at your life. And if, it's, if it doesn't measure up, if you want more in God, this is your opportunity to do it. I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to God and to say, yes, Lord, I will pay any price. I, I don't care. I want to be the person who is building something of substance into my life. And let me tell you, it is not too late. 
Kari lived a short life, but had an incredible impact on those around her. And I think of others who have passed, friends of mine, people I love. I think of uh, Dave Mallard, Dave Seams and others who've gone to be with the Lord. But I tell you, their impact has been lasting, hasn't it? Because they lived a life, a good life. They lived a life that brought glory to God and had a lasting impact on those around you. And many of your lives have been touched by those guys as well. If you totally dedicate your life to Jesus Christ, your decisions determine your destiny far beyond this mortal coil. You can, you can build something of, of value for eternity by living for him right now. That's what it's about. Psalm 144 says this, O Lord, what is man that you're regarding or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days like a passing shadow. And isn't that right? People say, look at me, look at how incredible I am, but your days will pass. People, people die. That's the way stuff happens. And so we need to know that when we die, it's a comma. It's not a full stop. It's a comma because we're flipping into eternity which will far outweigh anything that's going on right now we who are here on earth although our days are short we still have our lives to live now this is the only shot we get to maximize our impact for jesus christ and ecclesiastes 9 says this whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in sheol the place of the dead to which you are going so this is a theme right through scripture You've got a chance now. Don't wait until you're dead to get it right. Get it right now. Because when you are dead, that's it. You're done. And what you've done and said and whether you've accepted Christ or not cannot be changed after you are dead. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, gosh, that's a heavy service. I didn't come to church to get that. Well, I hope you came to church to hear from God because that's what I believe God is saying to us this morning. And I look at my life and I say, I look at so many chances I've had to be used by God to touch the life of someone else. But some of those chances have flowed through my fingers like sand. You ever tried to hold sand and it just flows through your fingers? It's frustrating. And, and I look back at my life and so I've, I've had times like that. And then other times when I've really pressed into God and built something in, the, in eternity, I believe. We all know the feeling, though, of having things flow through our fingers. But I believe this morning's the time we can turn that around. Every life has pivotal moments. Every life has moments upon, you know, things that happen, things that make us stop and think, upon which everything hinges. Now, I've had several of these moments in my life. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think, when I, I died and had the experience of, of life after death before I sort of came back to life. I died on an operating table and uh, I had a glimpse at the other side and I know that Jesus has me in his arms. So I'm very confident coming into death because I know who holds me. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And, uh, and, but that was a pivotal moment when I felt the call of God to become a pastor was a pivotal moment. Big events, key moments, key decisions. You can decide right now to change things. You can make a decision right now, a promise, a covenant to God to say, Lord, I'm going to live for you from here on in. And be totally dedicated to you. Paul says in Colossians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So many things we do, it's about serving us. But I think we've got to serve him first, number one, don't you? Because then, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what does your Bible say? All these things are given to us as well. We've got to stop lusting after things of the world and start serving him. And guess what? You get the lot. You get the lot. As he leads and guides us. Does that verse that I just read about working heartily for the Lord describe everything you say and do? Before us, I believe right now at this moment, we have a pivotal moment. And here's the good news. It's not too late to totally yield your life to Jesus and let him guide you into his destiny for your life. You can shine God's life and, and, and live a life that speaks to the world about Jesus. And this world desperately needs to hear that. Or you can waste your life chasing dreams that are just about satisfying your own desires and your own life. You can waste your life sitting in front of a TV. Or you can say, Lord, here I am. I will pay any price to serve you. If you want to make your life count, this is your moment. If a pilot takes off from Sunshine Coast Airport and flies towards Sydney and he is only one degree out to the left, He's going to finish 17 kilometers out in the Pacific Ocean. It's going to get wet. Pilots, when they take off, I've got a couple sitting here, you keep readjusting your direction, right? You don't take off and say, oh, that's pretty close. She'll be right, mate. You finish 17 miles out in the drink. They, how, do they, how do they pilot planes? They keep readjusting. They keep readjusting their direction to make sure they are staying on course. So this morning can be such an example in your life examine your life and ask yourself am i on course because if you're not don't sail away 17 miles out to sea if you're not on course this is the moment to readjust and get it right and i believe you know if you make the decision now and and ask yourself am i totally dedicated to jesus Am I totally in the zone? Am I totally moving the right direction? Am I totally on course? So that when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I know I will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because if you are one degree off, then this is your moment to readjust. Frances Havergal was a, a, a lady who was a hymn writer. I want to read some of her hymn out that she wrote. This one popped in my head. We're going to finish with this if I can have the team back up. Thanks. We're not going to sing it because that would involve our team learning it. Um, which, because I only thought of this this morning, really. But listen to the words that she wrote. You're going to know this, some of you old timers. I just love the spirit that's behind this. Listen to the words she wrote. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Wow. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. This is the verse that hurts. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose take my will and make it thine it shall no longer be mine 
Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. And the final verse says, Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasured store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. Isn't that great? Why don't you bow your heads? I want you to look back on your life. Look back on decades, maybe. And let me ask you the question. Do you have regrets? Or have you lived totally all for him? Because this is the moment to readjust. This is the moment to get it right. Because going forward, I believe that there's a tremendous power and anointing that comes on those who just throw their will out and say, not my will but yours be done. Who truly want to serve the Lord. So as you look back on your life, maybe you are walking with God. Maybe you're close. Maybe you're on target. But maybe you're not. If you're not on target right now, this is your opportunity to get it right. This is one life that you get. You don't get a replay. You don't get a second shot. This is it. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I ask you to pray it with me. And together we're going to get this right and stay on track and on target. That we might hear at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. Say these words with me. Lord Jesus... Forgive me for when I've missed the mark. I'm sorry for the things I've done that have not brought you glory. Forgive me. I ask this, that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I covenant to follow you and only you. I'm going to read out the final verse of that hymn. I want you to say it after me. Let's do this together. Take my love, my Lord I pour. At thy feet it's treasured store. Take myself, and I will be ever, only, all for Thee. Lord, you hear the prayers of your people this morning. I pray that we will live a life well led. Whether we've got a long way to go or a short one, we don't know. But we want to live for you, Lord Jesus. We want to be totally dedicated to you. But before I finish, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this, you're missing the greatest opportunity in history. Because you don't want to go to the great white throne judgment. You want to be with the believers standing before a Jesus who loves them. So if that is you and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And ask you to pray these words with me because God is here. He is speaking to people's hearts. 
So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or maybe you have, but you've wandered away, this is your moment to get it right, to recorrect and come back. So say these words with me. Just continue in an attitude of prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin to you. And I ask Jesus into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me live a life that brings you glory. If you prayed that second prayer, just want you to raise your hand up very high for me just for a second and put it down. Praise God. There's a few here. Are there any more? These are pivotal moments, folks. The things upon which life revolves. Is there any more? Just quickly. Before we wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Let's stand together. I cannot finish this service without inviting you to respond to God. Because many, many, many of you have prayed that first prayer and you just want to, you know, you look back and you don't, you don't want to look back with regrets. Now's the time to clean the slate and get it right from here on in. Is anyone with me? It's a good idea, right? If you want to be used of God, if you want to be someone who can build gold, silver and costly stones into your life for all eternity, I'm going to invite you to the front as we sing. Now, I know some of you go, oh, that's a bit awkward. That's a bit difficult. I don't like doing that. But if you come to the front, we will pray with you. We will believe with you. We will set the wheels in motion to make sure that you build something right into your life. So just as we sing, thanks, guys. As we sing, come forward. Thanks, come right to the front.